Hey guys, this is Zach Jernigan, and I'm the youth pastor here at Movement Youth. And we just wanted to thank you for listening today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and leave us a five-star review while you're at it. And wherever you're listening from, we really hope that this message is an encouragement to your faith. And especially if you're in the Gainesville area, we would love for you to visit us in person. We've got a seat with your name on it. Now, let's get to this week's message from Collective, which is every Wednesday night at 645. So excited. Clint, that was, Clint Amber, I mean, come on, you guys. That was so good. I feel like, I don't know if there's just something special in the room tonight or if God just needed me to take a moment before we get started just to worship. I feel like sometimes before the service, I'm kind of running around and I'm doing a lot of different things. And tonight I was just in the room and those songs just like brought me to a special place. And I don't know about you guys, but that was just such a sweet time of worship and those songs paired perfectly with what I'm going to talk about tonight. And so if you guys want to get out your Bibles, I'll tell you where we're going in a minute, but I want you to hold your applause for that. Um, But tonight is spring break at Collective. How many of you guys are on spring break this week? Okay, a few of you guys, you guys seem a little less than thrilled. Maybe that's because you're in town, Um, but I think you guys should be so excited because you're here at Collective tonight. I think that's a great way to spend your spring break. Yeah, thank you. Um, But yeah, I'm excited. We're going to dig into the Word, and then we're going to go outside, and we're going to play some games, which is going to be awesome. Um, But tonight, my message is called, Don't Let Jesus Pass You By. And I'm excited to just kind of unpack this. I feel like this is something that God has been teaching me, and it's really just been what God has been pouring into me, and I've been learning about it in my quiet time with him, and I just wanted to share it with you guys tonight. So if you guys want to get out your Bibles and go to the book of Mark, tonight we're going to, yeah, tonight we're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 24, but before we get into that, I'm going to give you a little bit of background Um, So Jesus is in the middle of doing all of his miracles, so he's healed some people, Um, he has brought some people back to life, you know, just some casual things that Jesus does every other day, things that we do not do, but just, you know, he's Jesus, he just does whatever. Um, So he has just actually fed the 5,000, and um, actually, no he hasn't, he hasn't done that yet, that's coming, hold on, he's going to do that in a minute, but He is with his disciples, and he has just, I believe he's just healed a demon-possessed person. So that's pretty cool. Um, And this synagogue leader named Jairus comes to him, and he says, he's just begging him. He's like, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come heal my daughter. She's sick. She's dying. I need you to come and just touch her. Because if you touch her, she will be healed So Jesus, of course, being Jesus, is like, all right, let's do it. And so that's where we pick up, and that's in verse 24, and it says, So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she, would f- that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd, and he said, who touched my clothes? You see the people 
in the crowd crowding around you, his disciple answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want to pray with you guys tonight, and then we're going to just jump in. Dear God, I pray that you would just use this scripture tonight, that you would open our hearts to hear a message from you, that you would use me as your vessel. Jesus, we love you so much. And everybody said, amen. Oh, you guys, I think, can do a little bit better than that. Everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so from this passage of scripture, we see, we learn three things about this woman, all right? So the first thing that we learn is she had been bleeding for 12 years. That is a long time. How many of you in this room are 12 years or under? If you're 12 years, raise your hand or under. Okay, so a few of you guys in the room, that's your entire life to be suffering with something. That's a very long time. So we know about her that she'd been bleeding for 12 years. The next thing we know is that she had spent all of her money, all of her money trying to find a treatment, but nothing could help her. And in fact, it only made it worse. I don't know if you guys have ever spent your money on something, maybe like food. You spend money on food and you get it and it's not good. And you're like, I've just spent my money on this and now it's not good. In fact, maybe the food made you sick and you're like, this has made me worse. There's nothing worse than that. Or maybe you spent your money going to the doctors. Maybe you guys are actually very familiar with this, and you're like, yeah, I've spent money trying to get healed of something, and it's not going away. It just keeps coming back, and it keeps coming back worse. That's where she was at, and she was so frustrated. And then the third thing we know is that according to Jewish law, she was ceremonially unclean. That means she would not be allowed to go into a temple for your traditional services. So she was not able to go for any ceremonies or anything. So that's like your typical church service. She was not allowed to attend for 12 years. She could not even go into the service. And so we know that also, because she was unclean, anybody that she touched was also unclean, which means that going to this crowd to see Jesus was a really big risk. Because she knew that there was going to be a crowd around Jesus. As you read and as, the st- as it just keeps spreading around the town, people start gathering around Jesus because he's attracting a crowd. So she knew that going there, there would, be a crowd of, there would be a crowd of people, and she was probably going to have to push past some people. And even, she was even going to have to touch Jesus because that's what she said. She said she's going to have to touch his clothes. So that means Jesus would even be unclean. That was a risk that she was willing to take. It was a big risk, but she was not going to let Jesus pass her by. Another thing that I think about is everybody probably knew who she was. They probably knew that she was unclean, and so they probably saw her in the town, and so they avoided her. So not only did she have this suffering, but then people avoided her because they couldn't get near her. And That's something that we're kind of familiar with after we've gone through this whole pandemic. Like, you know that if you have COVID, people are going to immediately back up and be like, what are you doing here? Even if you, how many of you guys, I don't know if you guys are like me, whenever I, sometimes just talking, there's no, I have not had food or drink in a long time, and I just start choking because I choke on my own spit or something. I don't really know. How many of you guys do that by a round of applause? You guys start choking randomly? Okay. How many of you guys have gotten some very dirty looks from people because you just start choking innocently? 
you know, I'm just like minding my own business, you know, shopping around Publix or something, and I start choking, because it's just, I don't know, I'm just special like that, I guess. And then people are like, oh my gosh, why is that girl coughing everywhere? I'm like, it's okay, I'm just choking, I'm fine, this is normal. It's not actually that normal, but people were avoiding her because they knew that if they got close to her, that they too would become unclean. And so she was taking a big risk just by going to this place because she knew that people were going to avoid her and that there was going to be a crowd and she was going to have to push past those people. And sometimes in our lives, there's things that I think even just to this worship set, you know, Clint, did, Clint and Amber did such a good job leading us, and I think so many times we have something that we're struggling with. We have something that we're like, God, we need you. We need you in this moment. We need this miracle. We need you just to meet you here in worship. But maybe sometimes we're a little bit afraid to put our hands up in worship. Or we're afraid that if we just start crying in the middle of worship, everyone's going to be like, oh, is that girl okay? Or if you just want to fall on your knees, and I think sometimes we, we just need to put away in our head what other people are thinking. She was not worried about what other people are thinking because all that she wanted to do was get close to Jesus. When we're in, here in Collective, it's a safe space. Nobody is judging you. If you want to raise your hands during worship to get closer to Jesus, that's what you need to do. And she was willing to take a big risk. Also, something else in this text is we see that Jesus was actually on his way to go help Jairus. And I just can't move past this without thinking that Jesus was on his way to go do another miracle. He was going to go heal this little girl who was sick. And he was going to go do this for somebody else, but she knew that, she knew that this was her only chance. And she was desperate. She was desperate for Jesus. And I just think that Jairus, so Jesus was on his way to go do that miracle, and he stops to be with this woman for a second, like we see in the text, and then someone later that I didn't read this part comes up and says, your daughter, she's died. She's already dead. There's nothing you can do about it. And I just think about Jairus in that moment thinking, Jesus stopped. He stopped to help this woman, and he could have healed my daughter. She wouldn't have died. He would have healed her, and everything would be different. He probably was so frustrated in that moment. But what he didn't know was that Jesus was going to meet this woman, he was going to heal her, and then he was on his way to go do a bigger miracle. Sometimes God wants to do a miracle in your life, but he has to stop and do a miracle in someone else's life, so, or he wants to use your miracle to do something bigger in someone else's life. Because sometimes I think we think our timing is so much better than God's. And just the more you read scripture, the more you live your life, you'll realize that God's timing is just so good, and there, you'll just, the older you get, you'll see, you'll see. Um, but something that I think about in this woman is, she was so desperate for a miracle, and so many times we just have to stick out our hand, and we have to grab Jesus's cloak. We have to reach out, and we have to grab his cloak, because we need that miracle. And I was talking about how he was going to go see Jairus, and Jesus would have moved right past this woman if she had not gone and reached for his cloak. And he would have moved right past her in the crowd, not because he didn't care about her, because he didn't care about her life. Sometimes we think that God is moving past us, but it's not because he doesn't care. He actually cares more than anybody else. And he's a God of details. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. 
He knows your dreams. He knows how many hairs are on your head. In Psalm 37, 23, it said, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God cares about every detail in your life. As you read through the rest of Psalms, the ones that David and the other authors that they talk about, they describe so poetically and so beautifully how detailed God is. If you think about how many of you guys have ever read through some of the Old Testament, maybe like Leviticus or Numbers, those books can kind of drag on a little bit because they're very detailed. It talks about, in Numbers, it just lists so many names. It just goes on and on and on about names. In Leviticus, it's talking about the law and cleanliness and how what you have to do to sacrifice um, a burnt offering. It goes through all of these things. And you can't read those books without thinking that God is a God of details because he cares about every single thing. So we know God is a God of detail. So he wasn't moving past this woman because he didn't care about her life. But I think sometimes God wants us to reach out and to grab a hold of him because he knows when we're so desperate, all we're going to do is we're going to fall on our knees and instead of turning to our friends, instead of turning elsewhere, we're going to turn to God. He could have moved past her And one of the things it says, at once she was healed. Once she touched his cloak, it says at once she was healed. And then it says immediately Jesus knew. So he could have kept walking. If you think about it, she was already healed. It said at once she was healed. So Jesus could have kept going. But that's not who our God is because he stops and he looks at her dead in the eyes. He looks at her because he sees her and he knows He takes time to notice this woman. He meets her eye to eye, and he spoke to her heart, and he declared her healed and freed. If you're a child of God, you know that you've already been healed and you've already been freed. And I want you to just remember that tonight. If if you've already asked Jesus into into your heart, you've been healed. You've been freed from those things. If not... If you haven't asked God, come and talk to me after. I would love to talk with you more about that. And there are so many things that we can learn from this woman about not letting Jesus move past you, but instead reaching out and grabbing his cloak to hold on for that miracle. Don't let him move past you. And he's not, like I said, he's not moving past you because he doesn't care. But he wants us to fall down. He wants us to be so desperate that we fall on our knees and we reach out to grab for anything that we can to get close to him. There's another passage in the Bible that I want to talk about. It's actually just in the next chapter over. It's in Mark 6. And have you guys ever read, I want you guys to raise your hand if this, is, if this is you. Have you ever read a passage in the Bible and you've maybe read it a million times And then something new just jumps out to you, and you're like, how have I missed this before? Has that ever happened to you guys? Okay, so it definitely happened. So it happened to me a few weeks ago, and it's the story of Jesus walking on water, which I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with. Even if you're not a Christian, I feel like people always talk about Jesus walking on water. It's in, like, songs all over the place. Um, But Jesus is, he's just healed the 5,000, and he has gone to be alone. He wants to pray by himself, and he sends his disciples out to go onto this lake, and he's like, I'm going to take some time for myself. So he sends out his disciples, and then he looks out, and he sees that they are really struggling. It says that they're struggling at the oar. 
because of the wind and the waves. So the waves have picked up, the wind is blowing, and then in verse 48 it says, Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Okay, so first, fair enough, right? Like if you saw something walking towards you, if you guys are out on the lake just chilling, maybe it is getting a little storm, but if you saw something walking towards you, you would think a little, you know, something is up, right? Like that is not normal. But what caught my eye is it says he, he's walking, he went out to them. So he saw that there was a need. He saw that they were struggling, and he went out to them. And then right after that, it says he was about to pass by them. And that's what stuck out to me because I just thought, wait a second. If he went out to help them, he saw they were struggling. He went out to help them. Why would he walk past them? And I just felt like in that moment, God said to me, it's because I wanted them to see me. I wanted them to look up from their struggle and see me to see that miracle happening. And actually in Exodus 34, when Moses is on Mount Sinai after he gets the Ten Commandments, God walks past him. And it actually is the same, in Greek, it's the same um, pronoun that says he is about to pass by them. And God is passing by Moses. And it's the same that Jesus is passing by the people. See, they're struggling at the oar. They're struggling at the oar. They're struggling out in the waves. But God might be in the middle of a miracle, but sometimes we fail to recognize it because we don't look up. Had the disciples been struggling so much, had they just kept oaring, they would not have seen that Jesus was walking on water. And I think so many times I sometimes can be a bit of a control freak. I don't know if you guys know anyone that's a control freak or if you guys maybe are. You just like to plan a lot of things and you're like, I got this, I got this. Like I feel like that's a, like a trigger phrase for me. I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, I got this. It's fine. I feel like so many times I'm in my boat and I'm just rowing and I'm rowing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got this. It's fine. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden like it starts getting a little windy in my life and I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, I got this. And then like the waves start coming and it's just starting to get a little bit crazy and I'm just struggling, and I'm like, okay, I can't really do this anymore, and I'm just struggling, and I'm looking down at my problem, but if I were to just look up, if I were to just look up, I would see that God is in the middle of a miracle in my life, and I don't want to miss it, and that's what I want you guys to think about tonight. Clint's going to come up, and we're going to have a time at the altar, because I just think maybe in your life there's something that you're praying for. There's a miracle that you need. Maybe it's a miracle that you need and you're just so desperate. Maybe it's a relationship in your life. Maybe it's, I don't know, a relationship with your parents or your siblings or a friend and you need that miracle. You need just to reach out and grab his cloak. Maybe you're really struggling at home and life is difficult. Maybe things financially are difficult. I don't know. It could be so many things. It could be mental health. I don't know. But I think there's people in this room tonight that you have something that you're so desperate. And tonight's the night where you can just lay it at the altar and you can just reach out and grab his cloak. Or maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like there's a lot going on in your life. And maybe you relate to the disciples. You're in the boat and you're rowing and you're rowing. And the wind is coming and the waves are coming. And you're like, I've got this, I've got this. And then you realize you don't actually have it. 
And instead, you need to look up because you need to see that God is in the middle of a miracle in your life if you just look up from your boat. There's so many things that God wants to speak to us, and I think we just get overwhelmed in our heads, and we just think that we can do it ourselves. But God has a miracle for you, and he wants a miracle for your life because he loves his people. And tonight, Clint's going to sing, and he's going to lead us in a time, and you can just come, and you can just lay down whatever it is you're struggling with, or if you need a miracle in your life. I'm going to be the first one up here because there's something in my life that I've tried to hold on to, I've tried to take control of, but I can't. And I need God. God's the only one that can do it. I've tried to fix it on my own, and it's impossible. And I need him. I just need to hold on to his cloak to get a piece of God so that he can move in my life. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. God, I pray for every person in this room tonight. I pray, Jesus, that you would just move in their hearts. Jesus, maybe we need a miracle. Maybe we've been holding on for so long. And we just need to let go. We need you to move in our lives. God, or maybe we're struggling. We're in the boat and we're trying to row and row and row on our own. And we just need to look up and see that you're in the middle of a miracle. You're in the middle of doing something miraculous in our life. And we just need to let go and surrender. Jesus, I pray that you would just free us tonight and that we would just surrender these things to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.